Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. So, hey, uh, I want you to want you to hear this in the spirit that I'm going to say it. Uh, the church historically, I've talked about this a lot. At the beginning of the year, we celebrate the birth of Jesus, right? The 12 days of Christmas, the Advent season, we do that for several weeks. Jesus came, we celebrate it, we preached about it, we talked about it, we love Jesus, that's great. Uh, And so we come into the new year celebrating the birth of Jesus. Uh, For some reason, much of the church today likes to fast during that time, even though the church has an appointed time of prayer and fasting, it's called Lent. And uh, if you don't like the word Lent, just consider it waiting for the crucifixion, right? And so this year, starting next Wednesday, we're going to enter into a season of 40 days in prayer and fasting. We're going to join with the church all over the planet that does this 40 days of prayer and fasting. I'm going to talk more about this next week, but what that looks like for your life is between you and Jesus. Amen? This is not for me to tell you how to pray, fast, consecrate yourself, but I am going to be doing a a devotional with those who want to join in with me on the devotional. We're not going to be doing um, a video series. We're going to actually interact online. I'm going to be doing, if you would put that up, Josh, uh, Walter Brueggemann's book, A Way Other Than Our Own. Now, you don't have to write that down. I have a sign-up sheet in the back. We're going to meet periodically to pray together as we go through this devotional, a daily 40-day devotional for Lent. You can buy it on Amazon. I think it's like nine bucks on Kindle. 15 bucks if you want the hardcover uh, paperback. So I'm going to be doing that starting next Wednesday. Say next Wednesday. Which the church calls Ash Wednesday, right? I'm not putting any ashes on my head because I'm just, I can't go that far, right? Uh, So that's Ash Wednesday. And uh, that's when we'll start our 40 days preparing for the crucifixion, death, and resurrection of Jesus on Good Friday, Dark Saturday, Easter Sunday. Amen? Amen, amen. That's what we're going to do. And I believe God is going to meet us in it. Uh, My wife and I have been out of town. We were at a conference. We were with uh, Cameron Wright and his uh, network, which was just um, just a great time in the Lord. And uh, it surprised me. I'll talk about that a little bit later. So I appreciated those who prayed for us while we were away funny thing happened. Uh, My wife and I are from South Florida, and uh, one of the nights we were there, just thank you so much. Good job. You're good. good. Give it up for Mikey if you would. (laughs) I I don't know if you know this. We we have two basses on stage, but no bass player. I don't know if you noticed that. Uh, Our drummer uh, couldn't make it, and then our bass player played drums, and he just filled in. So let's just... Brandon, thank you so much. We appreciate what you did this morning in helping us to enter into worship. And um, I, uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm a Christian. Hopefully that's not a shock to anybody who's come to a Christian church this morning. A beautiful bride of mine, if you don't mind um, bringing me my water, I am going to. I was yelling so much during worship there, I've lost half my voice. I'd like to keep the remainder that I have. I'm a Christian, but being a Christian, the world thinks it's super easy to be a Christian. Like there's like a formula, 
and you're a Christian and that means you do these things. But then you actually meet Jesus and you find out it's far more complicated. Am I, am I right? Have you found out like this thing is like, what do you want me to do, Jesus, is not the easiest question to answer. Am I right? Have you, have you like, like, I just want more of God. I want to be a follower of Christ. Uh, I, I want to be pleasing in His sight. And I would say that, that that's, that's like the, that's the prayer of most Christians, right? Like this is, we want to follow God. And, and, and so many times, like, we're just like, Jesus, tell me how to get ahead. Tell, tell me, tell me what it is I'm supposed to be doing. That, that, and that's what I want as a Christian. I, I really want to be a follower of God. And um, that, if you're like me, can seem very, very difficult to figure out at times. And I, 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 like, I think, like, am I, co- am I overcomplicating this thing? Am, am I getting this thing more complicated than it needs to be? And, and the truth is, the society that we live in uh, tells us that we're supposed to constantly be getting promotions and raises in everything that we do. And so we kind of import that into our Christianity, looking for God to give us promotions and raises. And if we're not seeing these promotions and raises, we sometimes think we're not getting it right. Show me how to, how to fix this. Uh, but, but yet and still, I, I, I seek God and I, and I want to encounter God and I want to know that I am on the right path with God. Have you, have, like, do you, does that resonate with anybody in the room? Like, I just, I just want to know that I'm on the right path. Well, the Bible talks about this. Um, the Bible has, has, gives us guidance on how to follow God and know that we're walking His path. But the problem is, most people don't know how to read the Bible in a way that we actually get answers. Instead, we stuff what we read into the Bible into what we already believe to be true, and we look for the Bible to confirm what we've already believed. The problem is what we've already believed has led us to frustration. And so we have to come to the Word of God with fresh eyes, fresh heart, and a humble spirit so that we can learn. Jesus told us we need to be childlike. And we have dismissed that ever since he said it. Like, we, we believe the words, but we think that Jesus probably could have worded it better because clearly he meant something else, right? He meant we're supposed to be childlike, but not really. We're, we're supposed to come to him as children, but adult grown children who know everything a child doesn't know. And, and what I want to do today, um, I, I want to kind of help unpack this a little bit. I want to kind of demystify God's plan for your life, and I want to challenge you to really seek God for who He really is so that you can walk, you can walk with Jesus in a way that is fulfilling, refreshing, and joy-filled. Amen? Amen. We're in our message series, Words from Above, where we are going through the Sermon on the Mount uh, in Matthew 5. We're not going to go through the entire Sermon on the Mount in this series, uh, but we are just speaking some Words from above as Jesus recorded them. Now, this Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' longest uh, sermon that he gives as recorded in the Scriptures. And he's teaching the people about this new kingdom that he has come to lead. We, we, we think because we know Jesus, we understand his kingdom. We understand the kingdom of England. We understand the kingdom of Portugal. 
We understand the kingdom of Spain, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, and therefore we use that same phrase for the kingdom of God and then wonder why we don't walk in God's full blessing. It's because when Jesus uses words, He uses them correctly. We don't understand that we're using them incorrectly and we transpose onto God our notions of kingdom. But, but Jesus, Jesus wants to challenge everything we understand about the kingdom of God so we can actually walk in it. We, 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 we start reading the Bible at times of confusion. Uh, okay, I, I, I'm, having, I'm, I'm having some conflict right now, and I want you to not judge me. I had a mighty encounter with God this week. I went away, and I wasn't expecting to encounter God. I know that's not what you're supposed to do at a conference uh, historically, I go to a conference and I'm expecting, you know, the, 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 the dove of God to land on my shoulder. I'm expecting the Father to speak from heaven and I'm expecting everybody to see it, right? Like I'm expecting everybody to see that I have been anointed. And, uh, and, 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 but I went to this conference with a heart that said, God, if you speak anything to me, I'll be happy, right? Not knowing that God would completely rock my world right? And so I'm in a message series, and I have a message outline, and I'm trying to reconcile what God has done inside of me with the message that God has had me prepare in the midst of this, and, and I'm feeling some tension. Have you ever felt you want to go one way, but God wants you to go another way? And I have to figure out in the midst of those things how, how, to, how to, I'm just letting you, you know, I'm just letting you know behind the scenes what's happening to your pastor right now. I actually have a message prepared, and it's long, right? And, I'm, and, I'm, and, and I can't add another message to it. That, that means I got I to gotta, I gotta figure out, I gotta figure out how, to, how to teach the Word of God in the midst of what God has shown me. Because he knew I was going to use these scriptures. I, I want you all to hear that. God knew I was going to use these scriptures. God knows your life. He knows what's coming into your life. You're just, we just view it wrong. And so God wants to help us view what we are already going through through his lens. And so you're watching me do this on the fly, okay? This is what's happening. Are, are, are you with me? This is, what, this is what we need to do. So, so, so God was with you before you had the encounter. God was with you before you had the encounter. God was setting you up for the encounter, and he's not telling you, let's just take another direction now. Let's just forget everything and start over again. No, no, no. He's building your story with you, even in the midst of your suffering. He, he's building the story with you. You guys are co-writing the story of your life. And we tend to come to Christ and act like all that other stuff didn't happen. And then the people think you're hypocrites. They're like, no, no, I remember who you were. And you're like, but I'm not that person anymore. And they're like, I still got the Instagram stories. Like, let's, like I, I, I remember this. We did this together. Yes, I got receipts. You still got the prison record. And so we want to we wanna act like that wasn't us when God was building that story all along. That's still part of you. The problem is you're embarrassed of that thing that God has called blessed. He's using your failures in the past to create where you're going. He's using every struggle you've been through to build who you are, to take you where you need to be. But we disqualify what we've been through. We dismiss it and we don't allow God to use it and sanctify it and bless it to prepare us for where we're going. I, I need you to hear this. The Bible is our guide. Like when, when Israel sinned and they fell away from God's plan, they didn't erase it and write a new Bible. It's still in there. They're the people of the Exodus. 
They're, they're the people of captivity. They're the people that the prophets had to rebuke because they got it wrong. And the, and the, and the Jewish people, they kept these stories for a reason so that their children would not have to walk in the same foolishness. And so when you, when, you, when you portray yourself to new believers as if you've always had it together, you're not helping anybody. As a matter of fact, you're working against God's plan. These people need to know, hey, hey, uh, the journey that they're on, I've been there. And as a matter of fact, I know how to come back to where you are and guide you to where God wants you to be. Because I'm no better than you are. I just happen to have God in my life now. Like, I see you in the pit, brother. I'm not, I'm not up here telling you how I'm out of the pit. No, no, I get down in the pit with you because I know how to get down in the pit, except now the pit doesn't have control over me. I know where the ladder is, right? And so I'm willing to get down in the pit with you and show you how to climb up out of that pit. And, and, and as, as Christians, we fall into this trap. We hear this message about all things are made new. And instead of recognizing that God has my sin made new, now that thing that, that sank me now causes me to walk on water. Instead of, instead of allowing that to empower me, we dismiss it. Oh, new. I don't even need it to be new. I just need it to be gone. But that's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture doesn't say you're all, all things are gone. He says they're new. And so now we look at what has happened in the past through a new lens. That which the enemy sent to destroy me, God has sanctified to empower me to accomplish the plan of God in my life. Are y'all, like, I hope you're grabbing onto this because I feel like I'm going somewhere right now. I'm going somewhere right now. And so, and so, and so what really happens is we hear all things made new and we allow our pride to interpret that to say, all that dirt I did in the past isn't me. No, that was you. That was absolutely you. That was you. And if you don't recognize that was you, it will be you again. If you were an adulterer in the past and now you're saved, if you don't recognize that you have a proclivity toward adultery, you will get married and do it again. You need to be real and say like, no, no, I can't be hanging out with women aren't my wife because I know me. I know me. Oh, but you saved now. Oh, I still got the same parts. I got the same chemical things happening in my head. And now... I recognize, and I'm not prideful thinking I won't. Now I know what I'm able to do, and I just say, like, I can't go there because now things are new. I don't look at things the old way. Things are new now. I can't mess with that. Amen. This is how God empowers our... Come on. So we start reading the Bible, and we see answers that God is not actually giving. We see answers to things that make us feel better about ourselves. And so as I have told you, the last thing the church needs is to be told what to think. We need to teach the church how to think so that we can read the Scriptures and come to real conclusions that the Scriptures are offering. You've got your Bible, of course, turn to Matthew chapter 5. That's where we're at. But in this Sermon on the Mount, I don't have time to recap where we're going because who knows how long this message is going to be. So I, don't want, I can't recap what I've, already, what I've already said. You want to listen to the last couple of weeks of this message series to understand it. But we're picking up here in the middle of the sermon. And in it, uh, Jesus begins to flip the script. Now, you have to understand that Jesus was a rabbi. Uh, people are like, what was Jesus doing between his, his uh, dedication in the temple or his bar mitzvah? Well, it wasn't a bar mitzvah because that didn't start until later, but this uh, dedication in the temple in your early teens, late tweens. Um, what happened between that and his 30th birthday when he pops on the scene? He was studying to be a rabbi, right? This is obviously because he popped on the scene and they called him rabbi. And that doesn't happen out of nowhere. You study to become a rabbi. So we know he was studying to become a rabbi, right? They say, oh, but he was a carpenter. 
The Bible didn't actually say carpenter. That's how we use it. He created things. And so some people believe he made things out of wood. I don't, I don't want to... The Bible doesn't ever say he made anything out of wood ever, right? It's just not in the scriptures, right? If you want to believe that he was a wood maker making tables and stuff that Jesus spent 16 years making tables, I guess that's okay. Uh, I, I don't, doesn't make a lot of sense to me, right? Like the Son of God might be training for things a little bit more lofty, right? Uh, there's another way they also called um, uh, uh, authors creators because they were creating things. And so I believe maybe, maybe Jesus did woodwork. I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, in the middle of a place that is covered in stones, uh, maybe he was making things out of wood. I don't know. Growing trees somewhere they don't grow. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he was. Um, Mike talked about olive trees. Those are about the only trees that grow in that region naturally. Uh, what you're making out of an olive tree, I don't know. But that's irrelevant. Um, but Jesus was studying scriptures. We know that. And we know that he was learning. He was training to become a rabbi. And the way rabbis talked, we, we have to recognize when we read the scriptures that way, the way we view Judaism as Christians is not actually Judaism, right? Like, it's like when you, it's like if you grow, okay, I'm, I'm going to hurt some feelings, but just, so it's like if you grew up in a, like a little Christian bubble, right? And uh, you went to Christian schools your whole life, and they told you, you know, like, oh, if you ever, anybody, they touch they, if, they, if they do three marijuanas, they'll become a heroin addict, right? Like, they, like they have these crazy ideas, right? Don't use any of the marijuanas because you like, and I, and I say don't, but, but then they meet somebody in college who actually smokes weed and they're not a heroin addict. And they're like, wait a minute. I, 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 thought, I thought if I had a beer, I'd become an alcoholic and beat my wife, right? And they find out, well, this isn't, this isn't really, this, like, I, I say don't beat your wife, right? And don't, don't be a drunk and don't use the marijuanas, right? Like, don't, don't, right? But... Um, because some people become addicts. Some people do, right? And, and, and so when we, when, we, when we study real Judaism, it's nothing like what we call it. So like Judaism is not, there's no one in charge of Judaism that says this is what you're supposed to believe. There was many, many camps of Judaism, even in Jesus' day and before. And as a matter of fact, they didn't compile the Jewish scriptures until 150 years after the death of Christ. So they, it's not like they had a Bible and these, they had teachings. They had teachings that were written on scrolls. And the scrolls were put in a basket. And some scrolls to them were more important than other scrolls, right? And so different sects of Judaism believed different things. We only know about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But there were, there were several others. There were the Zealots. There were the Essens. There were, there were several that didn't really last the ages. And so what they did was they had these stories, and the scriptures are the stories of the Jews. And the goal was not to memorize words, it was to understand the stories. And so the rabbis came along and interpreted the stories of their people so that we could live as the people of God, if you were a Jew. And so rabbis would say things like, you have heard it this, however, I say this. And even today, Jews have the Tanakh, which is their scriptures, and they have the Mishnah. The Mishnah is the writings of the rabbis that tell you what the scriptures mean. And they believe the teachings of the rabbis are just as important as those who wrote the scriptures. Christians would say, oh, that's crazy. I just need me and the Bible. Until you meet a lot of people who think that and you find out the crazy things they believe and you think you might need a rabbi, right? You might actually, you, you, 
you might need one, right? And so Jesus is just like every other rabbi of the day. He's popped on the scene. He starts collecting his disciples, and he starts teaching them in his rabbinical school, right? And he says things like, in Matthew chapter 5, he says things like, you have heard it said not to murder. But then Jesus says, I say, if you've committed murder, in, if you've hated people in your heart, you've committed murder already. Right? He's, he's, changing, he's reinterpreting the scriptures for them. Right? He's talking about the Ten Commandments and he's teaching them something new. He's like, just because you didn't kill someone doesn't make you a murderer. And, and, and he says, hey, later on in, in that same, in that same uh, Sermon on the Mountain, he says, hey, if you find out that someone hates you, hmm, and you go to God and you bring your offering, and you bring your offering to God so you can get right with God, um, God's not going to receive that. Get right with the person that you have hatred in your heart toward. Get right with them. Then you can get right with God. Now, in their legalistic mind, if you didn't actually put a knife in someone's heart, you're okay, right? And if you hate someone, you can hate your brother and still be right with God. And Jesus is saying, according to my rabbinical school, things are a little different than what you have been taught in our day and age. According to my rabbinical school, what's happening in your heart matters just as much as what you're doing with your body. And so he's, he's messing with their mind a little bit. And so in this, uh, I'm going to read this passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 27, he says, You've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You've heard, you, if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. For it's better for you to lose one of your parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown in hell. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. For it's better to lose one of your parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It was said, whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for the reason of unchastity, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Skipping ahead to verse 38, you've heard it said that an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. Whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. Verse 43, you've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Now, now <laughs> verse 47, if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now leave that one up. You are to be perfect. As it, who finds that difficult? <laughs> I like. I'm like. Are 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 you for real? Like I'm supposed to be perfect? Like God is perfect? Like God can't do anything but be perfect. He's never not been perfect. That's a hard saying. And so now you are faced with a challenge. You are, you are faced with a decision to make. Either Jesus does not mean what he says, or I don't understand that sentence. Those are your only two options. Either to ignore that because it's not possible, or say, or say, perhaps I don't understand what that means. Because you will read this whole Sermon on the Mount and get to that and ignore everything you just read and start thinking about what perfect means. 
What does perfect mean? Perfect means I never do anything wrong. Perfect means I do everything right. Perfect means there's nobody who can say I did something wrong. But Jesus just gave us a list of heart conditions. And said, now I want you to be I want you to be perfect. Now, if you remember, and again, I don't have time to go over all this. I want you to go back if you didn't listen to the last several messages. Uh, The way philosophy is set up, and Jesus was a philosopher, the way philosophy is set up is you give a premise. You remember this? Premise one, premise two, conclusion. You remember that? And And so we talked about that last week. In the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, if you remember, we find in Matthew chapter seven, in everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you for this is the law and the prophets. He said, we're not going to get rid of the law and the prophets. You're going to, we're going to fulfill them, but this is how you do that. And so if that's where we're going, if that's the point, then we got to think, what is the point of the section we just read? He said, therefore, you're to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. The point of this section is be perfect as your father is perfect. In which way of perfection are we supposed to represent? As we rightly seek to divide the word of truth, we have to properly exegete the scriptures. We have to understand what we're accomplishing here. And the question is, what does God call perfect? This is not a checklist. This is not a checklist, especially if you Enneagram type ones, of getting everything right. Right? This is not a, you know, did I get everything right? Did I do everything right? Did I meet the requirements? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Any Enneagram ones in here who are constantly thinking, I got that wrong. I just need to do the right thing. I need to make sure I did the right thing. I'm an eight, so that's rarely my problem, right? Uh, my, my problem is, well, who made that list? You know, like, <laughs> that, that list is optional because I don't, I, don't, I don't know the person who wrote it, and clearly they don't know what I know, right? So that's not my challenge. Uh, but I, I'm married to a one who, who wasn't excited about me defining the list, right? Because she already had lists of what perfection looked like, right? Uh, and so, so we start falling into this checklist mode because we want to be right with God. And so we start, we start saying, okay, what is perfect? Okay, I know what perfect is. Uh, I never do anything wrong. I never sin. I make sure, you know, my sexuality is, is this I, and, and my money is that. And, I, and, I, and, I do, and then I'll be perfect. And then I have earned God's blessing. Now, anytime you fall into a trap of thinking that you can earn God's blessing, you know you've gone off the, off the tracks. What you've done is you have made yourself feel better about yourself. And, and that's not what we're looking for. You can be perfect, but you've got to do it God's way. Jesus, Jesus in these teachings, and I'm going to focus on two of these teachings in this, in this list. Jesus was in this teaching, hear me, hear what I'm saying. In this teaching, he was not giving a sexual ethic here. They had thousands of years of sexual ethics. This was not new information to them. Jesus was not defining sexual ethics because it's already been established for centuries and, and millennia. The point of this scripture is something far deeper than how you're supposed to act. Being perfect before God is deeper than doing the right thing. It's having the right heart. It's having the right heart. And us Christians don't like that because we can't judge someone else's heart. And we desperately want to be able to judge who's in and who's out. That is our fault. He was talking, about, he was talking to people that got it all wrong. It became a competition for the Jews of that day to see who was the most holy. And the closest we can, we can associate this is to what Islam looks like in the radicalized nations. 
And so you might wonder, why would somebody in their right mind ever blow themselves up? Like, what, what, why would you do that? that? Like, does that make any sense to you at all? Like, I know what I'll do for God. I'll fly a plane into a building. I'm like, but wait a minute, then I'm dead. Why, why would I possibly do that? Because when you have this, and, and we've got to understand, these Middle Eastern religions, there's this competition thing built in. And so we could see it in Islam, in radical Islam, easily. They are fighting to see who can be the most holy. And the most holy means the most radical. And unfortunately, it means the most mean. Right? And you wonder, why are these fundamentalist Muslims so mean? Have you seen their women? Like, they, 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 don't, they don't get to be pretty. And if you got no beauty, you're just going to be angry all the time, right? Like, you just got to look at men and women in sheets, right? Like, that's enough to get angry about, right? Like, you're like, why don't we say, we have beautiful women around here, so we could just say, oh, look at my beautiful wife. I was angry, then I saw my beautiful wife. But what if my wife was wearing a, 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 a bedspread, right? Like, that might make me angry. I don't, I don't want her to wear a sheet. I don't, I don't like, I, I want her to look beautiful. That's why they're so angry. There's nothing beautiful to look at. He's got other angry men to look at, right? And so there's this competition to see who could be the most, the most radical for God. And there's like, oh, well, you, 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 don't, you don't do this? Well, I don't do that. Well, I, I, not only don't I do that, I kill people who do do that. Oh, you kill people who do that? I killed my own son who did that. Oh, you killed your son who did that? I killed my whole family who did that. Oh, you know what I did? I blew myself up. And I'm like, well, okay, you got me. All right, that, can't go any farther than that. Can't go any farther than that, right? And so we can look at, we can look at them and judge it. But that's, that's the competition they're in because there's no grace. And so Judaism of the day, there's this competition to see who could be the most radical for God. Like, we're willing to kill people to show how radical we are. We're willing to cut off our own family to show how radical we are. And there's this, there's this competition to judge who's the most holy. You'll see this in some church circles. Who's sanctified and who's not. It's just, I need, I need a way to be able to judge people. That, that, and, 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 and it's not, you have departed from Christianity at that point. There is a judge, and one day we will all die, and then comes the judgment. And until then, we're under grace. And the, and the, and the, and the, the, the journey towards holiness is inward first. It's inward and manifests outward. Now, you can tell if you're a leader in the church, you have to be able to judge. The Bible tells us we're to judge all things, but not judge in the sense that we are standing as judge condemning. Now, I don't judge whether or not you're going to heaven or hell or all that. I do judge whether or not I want to give you money. I do judge whether or not I trust your word. I do judge whether or not you're someone I'd let around my kids. Do you understand that? But I don't decide that you're not a Christian, you're going to hell. That's, that's not within my purview. Right? And so what they're doing is they were judging who's right with God and who's not. And Jesus is like, oh, you, you, you set up a checklist on who's good and who's bad. Guess what? I'm about to mess all that up. I'm, I'm taking your checklist. He's like, oh, yeah, that's good. You don't commit adultery. That's, that's wonderful. We all see you don't commit adultery. We all see you haven't murdered anybody. Nobody knows if you hate people in your heart. Now you don't get to display your righteousness. You just got to be righteous. He messes with them. And, and I want to I show you this again. Put up my first slide, if you would, please, Josh. In, 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 in today's, in American culture today, it's everybody's goal to be to be more rich, more popular, and more powerful. That is what the American dream has trained you to seek. Be rich, popular, powerful. 
Jesus came to turn that upside down, and he wants us, go ahead, Josh, to be more generous, more humble, and more empowering. This is the kingdom of heaven. This is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I want you all to be wealthy. I'd love you to be popular so you can use your influence to influence people for God. I'd love you to have the power to empower other people, right? What's the purpose of all this, though? If you think you're going to get some sort of identity out of these things on the left, you're heading in the wrong direction because they will not fulfill. They will not fulfill. I want you to have enough money to pay your bills and more, right? But I would not mind if you just walked in enough faith that you didn't have to worry about money. Imagine if you lived a life where you never had to worry about money. There's two ways to do that. Store up earthly wealth or be able to tap into heaven's economy. That's a choice you get to make. Are your finances tied to the house of God's finances? If so, you'll walk in blessing. Otherwise, you, 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 better, you better grind because you're on your own. That's, 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 that's not today's message, though. But so, so these are all issues of the heart. And the question I want to ask you is, are you in competition with the world around you? This, this, this spirit of competition, man, it, you never win it. Because if the people around you are better than you, then you look at yourself bad. And if you look at the people around you and you're better than them, your heart is bad. There is no way of winning comparing yourself with other people. It, you will never get ahead this way. Either you will see, ladies, that the girls around you are more beautiful and have it together and you think worse about yourself, or even worse than that, you think you're more beautiful than the girls around you and you have it more together and you have already fallen and you don't even know it. You do not know it. You need to see yourself connected to heaven's economy with more than enough to bless the world around you. This is what Jesus called perfect. This is what Jesus called perfection. So, so in, this, in, this, in this little section of the Sermon on the Mount, he, he, goes after, he goes after anger, he goes after lust, he goes after vengeance, he goes after hate. All heart conditions. And then we read that and we think we learned something about marriage. Does God talk about marriage? Absolutely. Does he talk about sexuality? Absolutely. Is that what he's talking about here? No. That's not the point. Ed. He's using things they already know to create another point. And the point was, you think you're perfect because you're doing things right? Perfection is getting your heart right. I, I want to focus on this to make the point, and hopefully you get something out of this. And if not, I'll have said I preached it. We're going to start on, we're going to, we're going to focus on verse 27 here. Hallelujah. <clears throat> I just, I feel like the Holy Ghost, someone in this, oh Jesus, God's going to do something in your heart today. He's going to do something in your heart today. Like, I just put that out there, prepare for it. Verse 27, let's go over this together. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, you've heard that it was said, <clears throat> you shall not commit adultery. Right? That's, he's quoting the Ten Commandments, right? You've heard it was said. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, tear it out, throw it out from you, for it's better for you to lose one, one of the parts of your body than for your whole body 
to be thrown into, what's that word? Okay. If your right hand makes you, I'm just saying Jesus talked about hell. There's a lot of people today talking about whether or not there's a hell. I'm just saying Jesus talked about it. And I'm a follower of him. Who's going to hell? I don't know. Not me. Hopefully not you. I'm not going to hell. I'm, I'm, I'm saved. I would sing it, but I'm not going to. I know I've been saved, right? So I'm good. I'm, I'm good. Like, and if you're not sure, we can fix that at the end of today's service. You can give your life to Jesus, and you ain't got to worry about it. Hell is not a, I'm not, that's not a concern of mine, right? Ho- hopefully it's not a concern of yours. And if it is, it needs to be. All right, so uh, where are we at here? Uh, 29, thank you. Uh, if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. Uh, for it's better for one to lose their body parts. Uh, what, you heard what I said already. Then the throne in hell. Verse 30. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. For it's better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for you to lose your body to go into. Okay, we're not talking about hell, but I want you to see Jesus did. Okay, now, do you, does anybody read that verse and think, maybe I need to go home and disfigure myself. Possibly the problem, my pornography addiction is because I have not cut off my right hand yet. Does it, I mean, is, does that make sense to anybody in the room? I find myself at night wishing that I was with that person's spouse. What I should possibly do is get a screwdriver and jam it into my right eye. That ought to fix the problem. Like that. And so what do you do with this verse? Like, with, some of you are wincing. I'm sorry for that graphic. That's, that's, I know some of you, like, like, my wife I know probably rubbed her eye as I said that. Now, Jesus is talking about the seventh commandment against adultery. Now, having sex with another man's wife is adultery, right? That's, that is adultery. Uh, fornication is having sex with someone you're not married to. Uh, so adultery is sex with another person's spouse. When I got saved... Something in me said, God has not told me who my spouse is yet, and I don't want to be messing around with someone else's wife. So I'm just going to wait till I find out who mine is. I'll just put that out there. Say, so, but they already knew the seventh commandment. So what is Jesus talking about? What, what, what is he talking about here? What, is, he, is he talking about sexual? No. What he's saying is, watch this, your sin is your responsibility. Your sin is your responsibility. In, 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 in fundamentalist religious circles, it's the woman's job to keep the man from sinning. That's why they put bed sheets on women and make them walk around in the desert wearing black sheets. Like, you know no woman came up with that rule, right? Like, there's no possible way. In the old Pentecostal circles, they would make women not, not color their hair and, and not cut it. And they didn't shave their legs. And, you know, not a good look, right? Not allowed to wear makeup. Like, that would keep men from lusting. Like, 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 men ever lust because of a woman. No, no, no. Jesus is like, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's not other people's job to keep you from sinning. It, this, is, this is like, this is, it's a, this radical notion to some people. Like, uh, like, someone else is causing you to sin. I love when I would raise my kids and they'd be like, he made me so mad. I'm like, he didn't make you anything. You chose to be mad. No one can make you anything. They say this in Mary. Oh, you're, you're, you're making me mad. If I could make you anything, it wouldn't be mad. 
right? Like this, I didn't get married to make you mad. I married, I can, you know, if I can make you do anything, it wouldn't be yell at me. That's, that's not what I would be making you do. If I had this subliminal control over your mind, like we, we wouldn't be in the kitchen arguing. That's not, that's not what we would be doing. If I had power over you, you would just be doing everything I want you to do, right? Like so I'm not making you do anything. I'm behaving a way that, that's causing you to be angry, possibly, but you're reacting. Like, so you're not making, like, no one can make you mad. You choose to be mad. And Jesus is going at this notion, like, these women are not your lust problem. You are your lust problem. You are the problem that you don't have a clean mind. You are the reason why you can't look at a woman as a sister. It's not her fault. And if you are sitting on the internet getting every fantasy fulfilled for four hours a day, it's impossible for you to look at someone else's wife in purity. It's po- impossible for you to look at women and think of them as equals in the, when you have been objectifying them to meet your sexual desires. And, and that, amen. You have to sanctify your mind. There was a season in my life where I didn't even allow like Victoria's Secret things to come into my house because I didn't want my daughter to think that's what beauty looks like. This is not what beauty looks like for you. And so if you are baptizing your daughters that they have to dress a certain way to get ahead, like what are you setting them up for in life? What are you teaching them that beauty is? I'm not telling you how to raise your kids, please. That's not where I'm going. But we have to recognize what are we teaching our sons and daughters? When you see your son and a girl, oh, she's cute. You think that, but what, what, do you even know if the girl can read? Like, can we, can we use some other metric than sexualizing young women? Can, can we do something else? This is because we are disciples of this world, not disciples of God. Can we just desexualize our young women? Can we stop sexualizing our young men? Can we, can we just stop it? And the more you look for it in our society, the more you see it everywhere. That's why, like, my wife and I like to point this out on newscasts. You see a dude about 80 pounds overweight, looks like he bought a suit 50 years ago doing the weather, and then you got to have a 22-year-old girl who looks like a model doing the news. Like, there is no way an obese woman who doesn't comb her hair is going to be the headline of a news show. But a dude could just be falling apart, and they just have him on TV. Look for it. You see it all over. And we, we settle for this. This is not righteous. This is unrighteous. Are you hearing me? You are fully responsible for managing your sexuality. You can't blame the culture. You can't blame your daddy issues. You can't blame the sexy woman who popped up. There's you know, lonely women waiting for you in your area. They're not. Like, there's, not there's not single women in the area. Look, it's, it's, it's not true. There aren't. Don't blame your genetics or what happened to you as a kid. You know, you are responsible for what you do with your body. Amen. This is what Jesus is talking about. And I'm, I'm debating about how far I'm going to go with this right now. I'm going for it then. Put up the next graphic if you would, Josh. Does anybody know what that means? Thank you. So if you're on social media... If you're on social media, this is becoming like popular. 
This is like, put it down, put it down. If you're on social media, there is like this romanticization with pushing sexual boundaries. And so now, like, I'm on TikTok because I'm, I'm preaching on TikTok, right? I'm, I'm, I'm preaching, but everything pops up, right? And like, they're trying to popularize swinging. And uh, uh, what, like, what does that mean? Like, this just disgusting. And like, and like, there's women I've had to counsel whose husbands have pressured them or their boyfriends are pressuring them. Like, you, oh, you're, you're, you're not like, oh, you're insecure. That's why you can't. No, 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 no. You were created to be insecure about your marriage, right? It's supposed to be a man and a woman. And like, I don't share you with other people. That's why I bought jewelry for you and put it on your finger. Listen, listen, listen. If your spouse, if, you're, if, if, you're, if, you're, if your partner comes to you and says, hey, I have a good idea. You know all this trust that we've built up over the years? You know what we should do? Let's just forget about that and fulfill my sexual desires, and I'll just kind of share you with someone. You, I, want, I want you to not, don't, don't, don't wait to leave. Leave right there, right? Like the very first time your partner tells you, hey, I'm thinking about cheating on you. Thanks for letting me know. I'm getting my stuff now, right? Like, like you, you do you, that's not like you, like, don't, right? Don't. Are, are you with me? You, you, you can say, oh, you're insecure. No, I have a right mind and I'm a follower of Jesus. I want nothing to do with that. You, I didn't get married to be unmarried. No, thank you. I'm, I'm good. I, I, didn't, I didn't get into be, I didn't, I didn't become a couple so I could be single. Eh, no, I'm good. You go do you. I'm going to find somebody worthy of me. All right? I, that, that, that just... Okay, so in a world, Jesus is saying, where women were being blamed for men stumbling, Jesus said perfection is looking at yourself and seeing what is causing you to sin. This is the inward journey of your heart that says, what am I getting out of pornography that I need God to heal? Why do I keep spending money on purses I can't afford to impress people I do not care about? Why am I spending money on hair and nails when I don't have money for my phone bill? What is wrong with me that I'm more concerned with their acceptance than me being right with God? What, what is going on in my heart? Oh, but they talk about me at work. Why are the words of people at work dictating your life? Jesus is like, you have to own your insecurities. You have to go to the Father with your heart to see what is going on internally causing you to betray the person who gave their life to you. Why are you, be better, right? Like, why, why can't you be better? This is what Jesus is saying to his disciples. We need our hearts tenderized. And for me, this is why I am participating in Lent this year. Lent is a 40 days where we get our heart before God and say, man, Jesus died on a cross for my sins. They must have been pretty ugly. And I might need to reflect on if he came today, if he would need to die again, right? What, what in my life today? What is going on in my heart today that Jesus wants to cleanse? I need to approach Jesus with a humble heart, seeing what I need to get right. Not to beat myself up. Not, not like, let's, let's figure out what's wrong with Carl. I can ask my wife about that, right? I don't, I don't, I don't need to go, I don't, you know, I, 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 have, I have teenage kids. I don't, I don't need anybody to tell me what's wrong with me. I already, I already get that feedback, right? I, but but I, I, need, I need God to show me what's keeping me from God. And, and so we know, we, 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 we know, like, here, here's what they said back in the day. Okay, 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 okay. You don't want us to deal with lust. I'm unhappy in my marriage. Uh, here's what I'll do. 
I'll give her a certificate of divorce, right? And so Jesus said, Moses let you have a certificate of divorce because of the hardness of your... Oh, so we see it's a heart issue. The hardness of your heart. And so what they would do back in the day is all it took for a divorce was a man to give his wife a decree of divorce. So they began looking at marriage as just a contract. And at any moment in the contract, I could sign a piece of paper, and we're no longer in the contract. Well, what's the problem with that? Well, back in the day, let me, let's read the Bible. Verse 31. It was said, whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for, if she ratchet, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So what is, what is, what is, what is Jesus talking about here? Is he talking about the boundaries of marriage? No, they already have boundaries of marriage. What is he talking about? Well, let's figure out the context. Now, back in the day, women did not have property rights. Okay? Women could not own property. They didn't own businesses. They didn't own their own money. And so what would happen is, if you divorced a woman, she lost everything. She became destitute. So a man who's in lust or unsatisfied or... Maybe he beat his wife and she didn't like it. Uh, he would just give her a divorce. And so there was this power dynamic in the marriage. And this power dynamic looks like this. If you don't listen to me at any moment, I will make you a broke woman with nothing. That's the power dynamic. I rule your life and it's your job to listen to me. Otherwise, you will be broke and homeless. That's the dynamic. And Jesus is like, um, well, if you do that, um, you are causing adultery because she can't stay single. She has to get married. And so you believe that to be sin? You know whose fault that sin is? Yours. Your lust caused sin in another person's life. This is what Jesus is saying. This is the, you can't fix that with your offering because now she's stuck because of what you did. Jesus said, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll just get divorced. Oh, really? Now you have a sin that you can't even repent of because she's stuck in a relationship that she can't get out of because of what you did. She was left destitute, and men, they didn't care. And Jesus is a champion of women all through scriptures. And he says to the men, you, hey, hey, you, you, he says to her, if you keep reading that scripture, let your yes be yes. He says, you didn't make a covenant with her when you did that. You made a covenant with God. And you think you can just write a little thing and break your covenant with God? Better get your heart right. Better get your heart right. Better get, he said, let your yes be yes. But we fall into this lie. We fall into this lie that all sins are the same. Now, I want to preach to you. I want to get you excited. I want to get you encouraged. But I need to get this in your heart. So next week, maybe I'll make you run around the room a little bit. We'll, we'll get excited. I might sing a song. Who knows? But right now, I need to get this in your heart, Okay. We, we, need, we need to get this. We need to know the real Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> so if you've ever read the news, you hear about pastors just falling into the most depraved, decrepit sins. As Paul said, like the lost don't even do that, right? You, you've heard these things like, like this is, like you're like, he did what? Like who does that? And, and let me tell you the root of that. <clears throat> so in, in the real world, um, in, in, in the real world, Let's say you're at a job, like hopefully you all have, 
right? And if you don't, we pray you get one, right? Uh, and, and, and you got a coworker, and they're the opposite sex, and uh, you two get kind of friendly, just friends, just, you know? And, 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 and this whole uh, work-wife thing, keep that out your mouth, right? That's just, just keep that out your mouth, right? Um, just say, my affair partner, right? And then just, right? And so say you get friendly with someone of the opposite sex, and, and then you kind of cross a line. You don't even recognize it, right? You make it like your buddies, and you say a joke, and you're like, ooh, that might be across the line. And they look at you, and you're like, um, yeah, no. And you're like, oh. And you, so you get a little check in your heart. You ever say that? Like something comes out of your mouth, and you're like, didn't mean it like that. Wish I could put it back in, right? Well, in, 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 in the real world, you get these kind of checks, right? You talk to people of the opposite sex. They set up boundaries, you recognize that my kids do that for me. Like, that wasn't funny, Dad. I'm like, I'm just telling the joke. Wasn't funny. Okay. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Now I know boundaries, right? And so we get these boundaries. Now, what, what we do as Christians is we set up such boundaries that we don't ever get feedback from the people that we might sin with. I, I, I need you to hear this. So what we say is men can't be around women because they'll fall into sin. And so we think, okay, well, all sins are the same. Like you hear this teaching that if you do even the smallest sin against God, you've committed the greatest sin against God, right? Like all sin is the same before God. And I'm here to let you know that's not biblical and it's not true. That's neither biblical nor true. Like if, if you speed on the way to church, that is not the same as running over school children on the way to church. It's not, it's not the same, right? If you did not pick up after your dog when you're walking him, that's bad. Be a better neighbor. But it's worse if you're poisoning the neighbor's dog, right? These are not equal sins. Right? These are not equal sins. But we fall into this trap that any, any sin is the same. This is what happens to addicts. Please, this, I don't want to trigger anybody, so I'm going to talk about addiction here for a second. Um, addicts will get clean, and um, it took them a long time to build up a high tolerance to a drug, right? And so when they go back, most addicts who overdose, overdose when they're relapsing. Because they go right back to the terrible level of drugs they once did, thinking, well, I, I now need, and then they, they're not ready for that, and, and they die. It's the same deception. So what, what, what we're trained in is, if you're going to sin, just go all the way, right? Like, just... Go in. As if saying to your, your coworker, oh, you look cute today. And then being like, um, I'm married. Like, oh, I, I didn't mean it that way. I'm sorry. Is the same thing as sleeping with your coworker. It's not. It's not. And so Jesus here, I'm getting somewhere with this. Please hear me. Jesus is teaching these people, you have come short of God's best. Look, look at this. Later on in Matthew 23, he says this. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. You got that Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Well, apparently not. Woe to you, hopefully you got a Bible. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected. What's that next word? We're all going to look at it together. You ready? It's up here on the board. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law. So first right there he says, oh yeah, you did some things, but there are things that are even more important. What are these more important things? 
Jesus fills in the blank here. The more weightier portions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These are the things you should have done without neglecting the other. So he's saying, oh, you tithe, that's, you're supposed to tithe. Yeah, I understand. Oh, you tithe everything. You do every outward work. That's great. Don't neglect that. But there's something even more important. Justice, mercy, faithfulness. You know what those are? Heart issues. These are heart issues. And so Jesus was talking to people what holiness means. They knew what holiness was. Jesus said, these are not all the same. And if you are some religious holier-than-thou Pharisee, you're not getting closer to God. You're cutting yourself off from God's grace. You're keeping yourself from the true power of the Holy Ghost. You are refusing to be humble, servant like our Savior, Jesus. And so Jesus would use the people who are considered the least of society to say how you treat them shows where your heart really is. If you're only blessing those people who could make you feel better about yourself, you're missing it. How do you bless the people who have nothing to repay you with? This is why Jesus championed women. This is why Jesus went after those who are considered unclean. This is why Jesus healed the sick. This is why Jesus was found around people who were not allowed to be in the temple. Because Jesus was modeling for us what justice and mercy and faithfulness looks like. Are you hearing this? First Peter said it this way. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And I'm going to end with this. We have this problem in the church in America today. We have people who read these scriptures, and they decide they're going to pick one or the other. One camp says, listen, be holy as God is holy. Therefore, don't touch, don't taste, don't speak, don't see, and then you'll be holy. And then there's this whole other camp. There's this, there's, this, there's this fundamentalist camp who seeks holiness to where the holiness brings the Holy Ghost of God and we all are holy and stay holy and we're in our holy club, in our holy room, and other people need to come figure out how to be holy. And then there's other people who've like read other parts of the Bible who say, well, Jesus was actually after justice and mercy and the poor and the orphan. So they go and they start orphanages and they feed people and they do these great works of justice, but nobody gets saved. Nobody finds out that, hey, God actually expects you to behave a certain way. When you meet Jesus Christ and you give your life to him, it should change how you live. And so we have people on one camp saying, all God cares about is your relationship with him. And then we have this other camp that says, all God cares about is how you treat other people. But the truth is, Jesus said, you should be doing the one without neglecting the other. Amen. And as a matter of fact, if you do one without the other, it's not holy at all. You're doing it for you. Which won't get you anywhere. Come on up, man. It's not good works versus personal holiness. While we don't fool ourselves into believing we can establish God's kingdom on earth before His second coming, 
We contend for justice as a way of bearing witness to the fact that our present experience is not yet the kingdom. What we are living in now is not the kingdom of God. There is a kingdom that is coming. Second song. There is a kingdom of God coming. And we need God to do a work in our hearts to love God and love our neighbor. If you say amen. We need God to do a work in our hearts so that we love God and our neighbor. Jesus had an entire, he could have picked anybody he wanted to be his disciple. Literally, on the whole planet. He could have picked anybody. But he picked these guys who already knew they weren't righteous. And he said, I can work with that. And these guys already knew that they weren't righteous like the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they're like, we better get this together. And Jesus said, but you need to keep your heart where it's at, recognizing you, you, you can't do it. Stand with me if you would. So what we need, what we need is the Holy Ghost. Jesus, um, his goal is to get you connected to God. Jesus had no intention of creating a system where you could be so holy you didn't need God anymore. His goal is for you to constantly need more of God. And so I want to do two things. Whoa, I want to do two things this morning. I want to invite those who know you need Jesus to save you. I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive Christ as your Savior. And the second thing I want to do is I want to give those of us who recognize that we need to be better, to cry out for the Holy Ghost to fill us up. So every, every, every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to, huh, I, I feel this weighty burden I'm not going to, I don't know what the afterlife looks like for those who don't follow Jesus. But I do know I want to spend forever with you in paradise. And I know that Jesus has made a way for that. And there's no other way to the Father but through the Son. So if this morning you recognize, man, I'm away from God. I'm disconnected from God. Either through your own sin or just life or maybe you've just never had an opportunity to receive Christ as your Savior. I want to give you an opportunity right now to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior to wash you clean, give you a fresh start in this world. 
And I would really appreciate if nobody would look around right now. This is between your preacher, you, and God. Maybe you're convicted over some sin this morning. And I say thank you, Holy Ghost, because God is here to wash you clean. But there is a, a, a heaven to gain and a hell to resist. There is a blessing to seek and a curse to run from. And right now, Jesus Christ is opening a door for you to enter into the kingdom that you can operate with the power of the Holy Spirit to live a better life and to leave, oh, that's it, and to leave a better life for your children. It is a miracle of God my children are serving God. I grew up straight heathen. And that's the same miracle God wants to do in your family. So this morning, if, if that's you, I want to know who I'm praying for. Just put your hand up, up and down real quick. You're like, you know what? Every head bow, every back. I see you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else in the room? I need, I need Jesus in my life. Put your hand up and down real quick. Anybody else? Yeah, I see you. You can put your hand down. Yep, I see you. I see you. Put your hand down. Thank you. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray a prayer, and we're all going to pray it together. And we're going to pray that Jesus would come and save us. And then we're going to begin to sing, fill me up. Because that's what we really need. Are you ready? Now, everybody, I want you to say this with boldness. Just say, Jesus, I have done things that were wrong. I knew they were wrong. And I did them anyways. Please forgive me. Wash me clean. I receive Jesus. Come be my Savior. I believe that you were murdered on the cross for my sins. I believe that you were buried in a grave. And I believe that you were raised from the dead. And now you seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven praying for me. And I believe that one day you're coming back for me and establish your kingdom on earth. And I want to be a part of it. Save me. Wash me. Empower me to be your witness. And I will tell people about you. I believe I'm saved. All things new. I'm a new creation. And I worship your holy name. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody give him a clap offer. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on, let's sing it. For those of you who need a fresh feeling. I want to run over. Fill me up till I overflow. I want to run over. Hallelujah. I want to run over. Fill me up till I overflow. Sing it out. Hallelujah. I want to. You want to run overflow? I want to run over. Fill me up. I want to run over. Oh. 
I overflow, till I overflow, I want to run over. Come, Holy Ghost of God, over the earth, until I overflow. I want to run over, I want to run over. Go ahead, put your hand on the shoulder of somebody near you. Keep playing, Bam. Put your hand on the shoulder of somebody near you. Now pray for them to have a soft heart. Pray that God would soften their heart. And if you feel like you, 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 have, you have unforgiveness and bitterness that you can't break off your life, that it plagues you in your sleep, that it's like a demon following you around, I want you to come forward. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you for the breakthrough that Jesus has given me, that he would release you from that curse and those shackles. If bitterness and unforgiveness plagues you, can't forgive your dad, you can't forgive your ex, you can't forgive that person who did you dirt. Why don't you just come forward? I want to pray for you. But pray for that person next to you. Pray for that person next to you, they will get free. Pray for that person next to you, they will get free. Pray for that person next to you. Come on, pray aloud. Pray aloud, pray aloud, pray aloud. Pray that God will break the shackles off of them. Make some mushrooms, please. All right, you feel like you did it? Now let's pray for the person who really needs it. Put your hand on your own heart. Keep playing. Jesus, I have unforgiveness. Help me. I compare myself to other people. Help me. Pray for your own heart. You know your own heart issues. Pray for your heart. You're the one who really needs it. Holy Spirit, come and make my heart. Here we go. There it is right there. There it is. That's it right there. 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 Come on, take, 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 take it. Come on, fill me up. Fill it up. Come on. Come on, come on. Take it, take it, take it, take it, take it, take it. Come on, sing it out. That's it right there. It's right there. Fill me up. Fire, Holy Ghost. Fire, Holy Ghost. Take it. I want to run over. Fire the Holy Ghost right there. Fire the Holy Ghost. Fresh heart. Father, in the name of Jesus, whoa, there it is. Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would soften our hearts. Soften our hearts, Jesus. Soften our hearts. There it is. Thank you. The refreshing of God. The refreshing of God. The refreshing of God right there. In the room, it's the refreshing. He said, a new heart I shall give you. A new heart I shall give you. A new heart I shall give you.
play it straight. Just play it straight. Just keep playing over and over again. Come on, it's the heart of God. Come on, just play it straight. Come on. Fill me up till I He's filling you with his love right now. Whoa, there it is. He's filling you with his love right now. Keep playing it. Don't, don't change anything. He's giving some of you the ability to forgive right now. He's giving you the ability to forgive right now. Hey, he's giving you the ability to release it to God. Just keep singing. Keep playing it straight just like that. Listen, Jesus is standing in front of some of you right now. And he's saying, I saw the abuse. I saw the betrayal. I saw the abandonment. Can you give it to me? Can you give it to me? Can you trust me with it? And you don't need to bring it up in the midnight hour anymore as that person getting over on you. You don't need to bring it up as that person who abused you. You don't need to bring it up as what could I have done differently? What should I have done differently? Can you give it to me right now? Can you trust me with your most vulnerable moment? He wants to fill you right now to trust him. Give it to him now. Go ahead. I want you to just take it out of your heart and give it to him. Take it out of your heart and just give it to him and trust him with it. I want to run over. Just tell him, Jesus, I trust you with this. Now let him fill you up. Let him fill you with his love. Let him fill you with his power. Let him fill you with a testimony to tell other people about what God can do in their lives. Pastor Tracy, I want you to just be led by the Spirit to pray for people. Come on, man. I want to run over. Running over now. Come on. Fill me up. Fire the Holy Ghost. Fill me up. Fire the Holy Ghost. I overflow. Fire the Holy Ghost. I want to run over. Overflowing with his goodness. 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 I overflow and I want to run over. 
bless you now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know God, I know I want to dismiss you for those who it's time to go, you can go. So let me bless you and then there's a sign-up sheet for my, my little devotional group in the back. Put your name and I'll contact you. I'll give you the details because I'm not good at details right have right now. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift His countenance on you and give you peace in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen, amen. Hey, listen, if you're a first-time visitor, we would love to connect with you. There'll be somebody in the lobby who would love to get some, get some information from you. So we can give you information about us. But right now, God is working on some hearts, and I just want to give people an opportunity to, to sit here in this anointing. Because the Holy Ghost is here, and He's working on hearts right now. So you may want to come kneel at the altar. You may want to sit in your chair. But I want you to know that God is healing hearts right now. And He's showing you that you actually can trust Him. He's after your heart. You don't have a marriage problem. you got a heart issue. You don't have an anger problem. You have a heart problem. And God wants to heal your heart. Father, in the name of Jesus, continue to move in this room. I, I speak to every hurt heart in this place. And I declare the healing of Jesus. Position yourself so you can receive right now. I just declare in the name of Jesus. Holy Ghost of God, sweep through their hearts. Blow away the chaff. Blow away the injury. Blow away the hurt. Blow away the damage. Bring healing balm right now. Bring your love. Bring your love, Jesus. Bring your love, Jesus. Bring your love, Jesus. Knit hearts together. There is a balm in Gilead. There is a balm in Gilead. His name is Jesus. He does all things good. He does all things good. And He is building your testimony right now. He is writing a better future for you. I know the plan that I have for you, says the Lord. That you would prosper. That you would walk in love. That you would walk in peace. That you would walk in healing. That you would be a kingdom outpost in the, in the world where love and peace is found. I declare deliverance upon you in the name of Jesus. I declare freedom upon you in the name of Jesus. I declare healing upon you in the name of Jesus. And I declare that you are the healed of the Lord. Come, Holy Ghost of God. Do what only you can do, God. Do what only you can do, God. Let the love of the Father sweep this place. Let the love of the Father sweep this place. What the devil meant for evil, God will use for good. Come on, this is where you get ugly. You can be pretty in the world. Right here is where you let God deal with your heart. Let Him fill you with the Holy Ghost right now. 
They empower you to love beyond your own ability. I see Jesus walking to some people in the storm right now. Get your eyes out of your boat. Get your eyes out of your boat. Look at Jesus. He's walking. He's coming to rescue you. He's coming to rescue you. Come on, he's coming to rescue right now. Let it bubble up. 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 The fire of the Holy Ghost. the healed of the Lord. You are the healed of the Lord. I feel the Spirit of God saying you will look back and you will recognize but you won't identify with it. The Lord says it will even feel like a movie that you're watching that you starred in but you don't remember being in. For today, the Lord says, I cut you off from that. Hallelujah. And I set you on a new path forward. The healing journey. No longer will you run from that thing. That thing runs from you. And I, and I, and I wash the shame off of you that you picked up in that season. And the reign of God comes and washes the shame from you right now. You no longer wear that cloak of shame. But you wear the robe of righteousness of the God who has cleansed you. Put His name above you. Put His Spirit inside of you and calls you His own. the Lord says your identity was built from that thing into the new thing healed, anointed and empowered a carrier of the kingdom walking at peace with yourself and with others in the name of Jesus Amen Amen. Amen. Now,
for those of you who got that, receive it in your heart right now. Wash clean from your shame. Wash clean from your shame. Wash clean from your shame. Sons and daughters of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now go and walk as children of the light. Amen. 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 And amen. 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 It is done. It is done. Amen. It is done. Amen. Amen. And amen. And amen. Jonathan, I believe there's a slow post-service mix when they're done. Amen. Amen. If you're a visitor and you're still here, you're blessed. And I would love to meet you in the lobby. But feel free to sit in the anointing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let it soak in. Let it soak in. Rest in that. Rest in that. Rest in that. Rest in that.